everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. As long as every college student stays in their dorm 19 hours a day and no one goes to the university pub and there are no frat parties, we're going to have football this year. So the Big 12 is on, obviously. Big 10, Pac-12, they're not playing. But hey, hard to believe, but they're going to play college football down there in Texas and in the South. This is the Frogcast, and we are excited to be talking about a lot of things going on at TCU football this week. Some of it, pretty, pretty, pretty rough news to swallow. Some of it, pretty exciting. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, before we kick off um, the topic of the day, which we all know what it is, Daniel, I think it's wise that you and I just take a moment and acknowledge this is our begin. This is the beginning of our sixth season together. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this for six years now. I mean, I think our listenership is just up there in the dozens. But um, Daniel, thanks a lot for helping to make the trains run on time for this, man. I've I've had a had a good run, and hope we can keep going with this. Uh, well, yeah. Say what you will about me, but at least the trains run on time. I say I say plenty about you, but all of it's positive. Um, I, I, I really appreciate what you do. We're uh, we're rolling right along here. Who would have thought it all those years ago? Um, we were also number two in the preseason rankings six years ago this week. So, oh, how times have changed. Well, Jeremy, let's just dig into the only topic that uh, any of our listeners want to talk about. We got a couple on our outline, but there's one, and it's going to take up most of our time. Max Duggan. He is not out for the season, but he is out. I'm just going to give you the floor. I'll interrupt you with a few questions to redirect, and then i got a few questions at the end. But rather than uh, trying to pull it out of you, I'm just going to give you the floor here. What in the world is going on with Max Duggan? <laughs> I think I'd do better if you just asked me a bunch of questions because if you let me talk, I could, I'll go on for 20 minutes. So All right. just ask me the questions, and, and, and I'll try to keep it as short and simple as I can. Okay. Give us the best of your, the, to the best that you can share and what you know, what is the health status of Max Duggan? Well, I think we all know now that it is a heart condition. Um, and his father, Jim, talked to reporters up in Iowa and he told uh, me and Drew Davison the same thing on Sunday. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's something that they didn't know he had, but when, when you go through uh, the COVID-19 testing now, the part of the team protocol is to have your blood work done and, and have an EKG. And when they do those EKGs, they found uh, there was a little something different about his heart. So they, they had it checked out and can't get too much into specifics about what's, what's really going on there, but it's something that they, they, they're glad that they caught. They've already had a procedure with it. A um, little bit of a setback midweek uh, last week, but uh, as far as everything I know right now, he, he's on the road to recovery. He's going to work hard to get back. I, we, no one really knows when the timeline is, when he's going to be back. I know that's the big question on everyone's mind. Uh, Jim didn't know. I've asked Coach Patterson about it. He didn't know. Sources through the program, they don't know. One, one thing I will say, though, is is I really – the people that I trust – and, and even talking with with uh, Coach and, and, and Max's father, Jim, none of them have just come out and said, oh, he's gone for the season. He's out for the season. So I, I, I don't want to say he's not out for the season, but I, I, I will say that there, there seems to be a lot of optimism that he could return at some point this season. I, but no one at this time knows when that could be. All right, so hearing all of that, I only have one question. His dad's name is Jim Duggan. 
Does, does he? Big name's not does, Hacksaw. Does he go by Hacksaw? No, no, he doesn't. Okay, because you got you got to be a man of a certain age and a certain certain. Uh, you got to be a real WWF nerd like me to have gotten that. But I, I will go on the record in my office next to my stack of Bibles. I literally have uh, a two by four, uh, a, a small piece of a two by four. So I guess it's not two by four, but a small piece of a two by four autographed by Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and it says Pastor Jeff. Whoa, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Now you've got this right now. I, I have it in my office. I'm in my home, but it's uh, just down the street here. I've got one in my office. I'll put. I'll. I'll post it on Twitter. And yes. You, you, yeah. Let's let's see that because everyone's going to want to see this now. Oh, I will do that. I will do that. All right. Back to the things people actually care about. All right. So we we get a sense that there will be a return. There's no timeline, but no one is telling you that he's out for the season, and 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 you're putting some good stock in that. So obviously, this leads to two questions. Tell us all about Matthew Downing. He is a walk-on quarterback, now on scholarship, came here from Georgia. This would be his second year in the program, his third year in college football. He's been at, you know, a, an elite Power 5 program and then here at TCU that has been elite and is fighting to get back up there again. Tell us what we know about Matthew Downing and what the Frogs fans should be able to expect from him because he's starting against SMU, it looks like. Yeah, he's he's going to be the guy going out there against the Mustangs. He's a, he's a really uh, hard worker. He's a competitor. Uh, the team likes him. He, he's one of those kids that it, you, you see it on our board all the time. Lunch pail kid. He's he's really worked hard to get where he's at. He he is a walk on. He was a walk on because that's how he got to TCU. He's officially on scholarship. He got on scholarship in January. But and, and as I mentioned earlier this week in the post, I'm not going to try to build him up. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys he's going to be a world beater. He's not going to go out there. And I was telling someone this today, he's, he's not going to be the quarterback that's going to go out, complete 23 of 30 passes for 310 yards and four touchdowns. He's probably going to be a, a, a managing quarterback. People don't want to hear that. They, they hate the term game manager, especially in the big 12 where you got to score a lot of points, but I think he can be that. And I look in the past, I look at guys like uh, Bram and, and Grayson, and, and I love those guys. And, and, and you look at Grayson, he set the bench for five years, and when he finally got a chance to play, he was 3-0. and And I can tell you right now that people that I've spoke with, and this isn't a knock on Grayson at all, but people that I've spoken with said Matthew is a much better quarterback than what Grayson was. And the thing that I've, I've heard mostly about uh, Downing is the fact that he just – he wants to go out and win. He wants to do great. He spends – a ton of time uh, doing the little things to help himself get better. He's in the film room. He's working out. He's running. That's another thing people tell me about is people look at Max, and Max is a, a very fleet quarterback. And even though he may not be as fast as Max, people do tell me that Downing is probably the second fastest quarterback on the roster. So he's got a little bit of deceptive speed. The team locks him. And in one one term I, I was uh, told is – and. and Please do not take this the wrong way. Don't don't say I'm out here comparing him to this kid, but the way that he is energized and his moxie and the way he carries himself, people say he acts like Johnny Manziel in that regard. That doesn't mean he's a Johnny Manziel player. Let me repeat that again. He is not a Johnny Manziel player, but the way he competes, the aura he has about him, the way people gravitate toward him, that's that's kind of the the moniker he's getting right now is is being Manziel like in that regard. But 
he's got a long way to go. Uh, as you know, he, he wasn't heavily recruited out of high school, but he did, as a true freshman, see the field at Georgia in mop-up duty. But how often do you see a kid that's a walk-on, especially uh, you might see a kid that might, might be a senior that's a walk-on that will see action in four games. But he's a true freshman. He's coming in. He's playing behind Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, and he's getting out there and, and seeing the field as a true freshman. So he's not he he's not a guy that I, I would tell people right off the season he's not going to be able to get it done. The great thing about what Downing has, he's got great interior linemen, tackles, got to get there. They're, they're still working at it. And as Gary said the other day, he's he's been impressed with them. He's got great running backs, not very very experienced, but they are tremendously athletic and, and have great speed, good size. And at receiver, he's got some really, really talented receivers. The, the, the ingredients for them to still have a good offense is there. Uh, from a throwing perspective, he, his arm is not as strong as Max. Accuracy-wise, it's right there. And some people even tell me he's a little bit more accurate than what Max is because he has a little bit more touch on his passes. So, there's again, I'm not trying to build this kid up to be a, a standout guy. You know, People told me a lot of good stuff about Alex Delton last year, and we were all burned for it. So I understand if if people are going to be a little pessimistic about believing what I'm saying about Downing right now, but uh, the proof is going to be, be coming here in a few weeks when they take the field against SMU to see how good he really is. Well, we will all see how good Downing really is starting off um, against probably the best non-conference game in the Big 12 is what it looks like to me. So you and SMU, we'll get to the Methodist here in a minute. All right, I'm, I, will, I will. I will say one thing about him too is is even last year, even before he became the focal point of the season, uh, uh, just really a, a, as the quarterback in the in the quarterback room last year, if you guys remember, he was he was kind of the talk in fall camp early on because people were wondering who that number nineteen kid was, and he when people found out he was a walk on, like, man, he's he's a pretty good walk on. And even at one point, I remember a member of our site came on and said they were at practice and Downing was getting reps in front of Justin Rogers. And I called the guy crazy. I was like, there's there's no way Downing's getting snaps in front of Justin Rogers. And sure enough, the guy was right. I apologized to the guy. And you know, everyone did say, and, and Coach even Coach even confirmed it the other day. I asked him, I said, Coach, last year Downing was actually getting snaps uh, as the uh, fourth team quarterback in front of Justin Rogers, right? And he said, yes, he was. And one thing, another thing people don't remember, but Downing was the backup quarterback to Max the last couple games of the season. So, if because you had Alex Delton had already left the team, Justin's gone, Mike Collins is hurt. So, basically, it came down to Max and, and, and Downing. So, Downing was already getting a ton of reps with the, uh, the first and second team last year toward the end of the season. Uh, and, and that I think that's going to help him overall with the speed of the game. But like I said, it's all going to depend on he, he can go out there and be six of twenty against SMU for seventy yards, and TCU loses by three touchdowns. We, we don't know. It, it's going to be it's it's kind of fun because in, in a in a weird way, Jeff, you don't know what you you're going to get out of it, and he could go out there and look like Bram did against uh, Oregon. So we never know. Well, we're all going to find out in just a little less than a month here. 
All right. The, the third question that comes out of that, not only when's he going to return and what about downing, but you have mentioned the Frogs might be in the market for a grad transfer. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of teams that are not playing over a you know, majority of the Power 5 programs in the country, or eh, not a majority, almost half of the Power 5 programs in the country are not playing. Pac-12, Big 10, that is what, 26 teams? Yeah, 26 teams. Uh, who are the Frogs in the market for, and is anybody in the FCS looking this way? Well, uh, it it's one of these uh, things where you got to just see who's in the transfer portal. You've got to see um, who might be a, a, a grad transfer that can you know come into the program pretty quick. Has to be here pretty quick. But TCU just can't. For those that don't understand the rules, I know people have been talking about it on the board a little bit. They just can't pick up the phone and start calling quarterbacks from the Pac-12 or Big Ten to see if they're interested to come to TCU or even Trey Lance. I mean, he, those those type of guys, if, if their name's not in the portal, I would tell you don't get worked up over those names. Do, do not do not waste your time. Don't even waste a second getting getting worked up about a guy that's not even in the portal. Now, if they all of a sudden get in the portal, then you might have a chance to, to see if TCU takes a look at them. From what I was told, it, it, it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really difficult for them to get someone in. Um, they are trying, uh, but with classes already starting and them virtually just a couple weeks away from playing against SMU, your 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 chances are very slim to none. Um, so I would tell people right now to uh, not have too many high expectations on on them bringing in a grad transfer. That's good to know. Are you right. stomping something? Because you're mad. I just heard a stomp. No, I dropped my I dropped my phone. <laughs> I, I was looking up. Uh, I was looking up the quarterback at North Dakota State. <laughs> you were trying to DM him, weren't you? You were saying, uh, "Hey, I'm not yeah, an Jack, official representative of the university." Me. Yeah, I'm not tampering, Coach O. I'm not tampering. So. <laughs> oh. what, I, what I was told is, you know, obviously it, it's it's getting. It's getting to be too late for them to bring someone in. And, and plus, you've also got to look at the fact that, and I know I keep saying this, and people are probably tired of me saying it, but they don't have any scholarships available. They can't just come up and with a scholarship out of the air. They have to have a scholarship available. So whoever, if anyone, decides to come and play at TCU, if they, if they somehow do find a grad transfer that can come in and doesn't have to worry about the waiver process and everything else – He's also got to be willing to pay his own way for a semester. So you're you're working against a lot of things right now. Yes, they are. They're working against a lot of things. All right, let's do a couple quick hits here in the time that we have left. Um, rolling from uh, quarterback to offensive line. You mentioned in our article about some notes going on at practice from some nuggets that I know our, our readers love and maybe our listeners will be interested in. Seems as if we have a little bit of offensive line depth this year. Uh, walk us through that a little bit. What, who do we know that's kind of standing out? Who do we know that's shooting up the depth chart? And what's catching your attention in terms of depth on the offensive line, which is the number one issue after quarterback? Well, the, the one thing I've, I've been told a couple times is the interior of the line is looking pretty good. It's going to be pretty strong. Uh, Esteban Avila is a guy that I've really had high hopes for really the last two years. He's, he's a big kid, 6'4", 315. They've wanted to have a big center. And, and even though Coy McMillan has added weight, 
he really wasn't that big last year. And if you look at Kelton Hollins the year before, he was definitely not big. So you're getting a guy like Avila in there who's been working with the Wands. He's actually worked with the Wands at center. And even Coach Patterson was saying that he's been getting a little bit of work at tackle as well. But I, I think for now, everyone's telling me that he's working with the Wands at center. So it looks like there's a little bit of change at really the most important, uh, one of the most important positions on the on the field on offense uh, compared to last year with with him currently beating out Coy, but Wes Harris is a guy that you know, there's, there's no, uh, there's no denying. We all love Wes Harris. He's, he's a Lido kid and he's just a great kid overall. And he's battled some injuries ever since he got on campus and, and he's a hundred percent healthy now working out at left guard. He, he, they're, they're wanting all these interior guys to be kind of interchangeable. They want them to be able to work right. They want them left. Uh, and some of those guys are even getting some reps at tackle guys like, uh, uh, uh who, who was it? Garrett Hayes. Garrett Hayes is working between guard and tackle. Uh, I believe uh, Quazel White has even done some of that. Uh, of course, Esteban has done some interior and, and, and tackle work. But uh, the, the right guard, I think, is going to be Quazel White. Uh, he, he got most of his starts last year at left guard. But another, he's between him, uh, Austin Myers, and Stormont. Quazel White's one of the more experienced guys up front. So right now the three interior spots seem to be looking good. John Lance is competing with West for that one spot. Uh, right now he's working with the twos. Uh, you got a you got another guy like Artreek Barlow, the true freshman that's as big as a mountain. I mean he's six five, almost six six, three hundred and sixty pounds. I mean he is a huge human being. So he's he's obviously bringing some size, but. I know everyone wants to know about the tackles. Everyone wants to know uh, how good the tackles are looking. And for now, we know that Austin Myers has has been impressive. Coach talked a little bit about TJ Storm the other day. Says he's he's been looking good. I think he's going to really compete with Austin at that left tackle spot. If 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 you uh, were to ask me who I think is going to start against SMU, I would probably say Myers for now. But I would definitely not. Uh, take uh, Stormin out of the picture yet, and, and both of them could end up playing the same amount of time. To be honest with you, I think that I think that battle's extremely close. Uh, on Andrew Coker's been working at right tackle. Everyone has extremely high expectations for him, especially from a fan perspective. He's a huge guy. That's one thing about this line, man. They are they are so huge up front. Six 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 seven guys seem to be all throughout the roster. You got a guy like Marcus Williams who's Six seven and, and three twenty, and he hasn't really been talked about. And I, I've talked to a few people about him, and they said that he's he's starting to come on a little bit the last few practices, and that's a guy that they really need to step up right now. They need him to be able to add some depth depth to that uh, position. But it's it's going to be uh, it, it, it like like with Downing Jeff, it's going to be. Uh, we won't be able to see how good that offensive line has improved until they actually get out there and play a game. Uh, and SMU is going to be real tough defensively. Well, that's good information. Hopefully some of this um, growing depth is going to help us out through the through the uh, run in the Big 12 this year. So obviously this was the weak link of the offense last year, the, whole wink, the weakest link on the whole team last year. So let's see how things go. And go ahead and put me in the Jared Anderson camp as a fan. Um, so I think we're going to see some improvement because of personnel and because of coaching. So I will say this now that you brought that up is that he he's Anderson. He takes a lot of heat. Uh, I, I know 
Uh, a few select fans do not like them. They don't have really good things to say about them, but the people that matter the most are not the guys at home using a username and hiding on a keyboard. It's the guys that actually play for them and the people that I've spoke with that know the players. The players love them. The players love them, and, and they think he's going to be really good in helping them improve. And when you have players that love their coach, they're going to play hard for them. And that and that's one thing that that he gets done. And and so far, uh, that the Jared Anderson hate club, they're not going to like what I'm saying right now. But I'm sorry to tell you, the offensive line loves this guy. Well, I love it, and I hope to shut up all the haters and the losers, of which there are many. So that's my goal. Marcel Brooks, give me his status on the field. And then give me his status off the field. What are the coaches saying about him? What's the NCAA saying about him? We don't we don't know yet. Uh, sorry if you hear a dog barking in the background. That's my yapper dog that my daughter had to have. Um, we we don't know about the waiver yet. The waiver is pretty close from what Coach Patterson said. I just don't see how there's any any way that he doesn't get approved because he he left LSU to come closer to home. He's literally in TCU's backyard, and and it's not anything to do. I mean, why would you leave a national championship team to go play for a team that finished five and seven last year if you just wanted to to, to move to get more playing time? Especially at LSU, where you're probably going to be the starting linebacker this year. And 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 all the rumors that we saw about him not liking how Dave Aranda was going to use him as a linebacker, and he really wanted that's that's all false stuff. Right now at TCU, he's been playing linebacker. He's been uh, lining up as an edge rusher, and he's pretty good as an edge rusher because the the thing I was told one day is that there's no one that could get a hand on him. If you line him up on the edge, he's getting around you. He's and there's and there's one there's one particular uh, player, and I'm not going to mention him by name, but there's one particular player that I know a lot of people like, and he's the one that Marcel usually he. Uh, just has his way with him almost every practice from what I'm told. So he's had, he's had a, uh, a pretty good, uh, pretty good fall camp. Is he going to start right off the bat? I don't know. I think we're going to see him used in a variety of ways. I, I, I don't, the, the one thing that was told to me about him as well is that he may not know the defense right now, but even if he's out of position, he's so dang athletic that he can overcome any of those things that he doesn't know how to do assignment wise for now. So if he's laid on a pass out to the flats, by the time they throw it, he's already on them. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got great speed, great makeup speed. Just he's athletic. And, and everyone that I've said or talked to have said that he is just a different looking dude when it comes to his football skills at TCU. Well, hopefully that that uh, status will come down from the NCAA here in the next week or so. It'd be nice to have that, you know, September 1st to know exactly what your roster is going to be. This being the NCAA, they'll probably let us know like week four. <laughs> but, hey, we'll, we'll all find out together. So hoping he gets that waiver and hoping he gets on the field because if you can set up Garrett Wallow and Marcel Brooks at linebacker, I don't – it, it's been forever since we've had a combination like that. Just, just forever since we had a combination like that. Hey, Jeff, we got we got semi breaking news. Did you uh, did you pull up uh, Max's Twitter account? I did. I can do that right now. Why don't you do that right now, and you can read off what what he uh, listed for the people that don't have Twitter. All right, here we go. Max Duggan, it's coming up. 
I appreciate Max quote, quote, quote tweet here, Max Duggan. I appreciate all the support I've received this week. Thanks to precautionary COVID-19 testing, I learned about a heart condition that I've had since birth. I've already had the necessary procedure and on the road to rec- and I'm on the road to recovery. Thanks for the thoughts and the prayers. Go frogs, frog emoji. There you go. And I just retweeted it. Perfect. That's good to know, man. That's that's straight from the frog's mouth. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> the frog's mouth. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, that's good. Thanks for pointing that my way. Nothing breaking a little new, a little breaking news right here on the Frogcast. All right. Well, let's send us out here with uh, with our first game. The Frogs are opening against SMU. First, well, let's let's see if we can walk through this. Cal Prairie View SMU, and then Prairie View SMU, and then Tennessee Tech, and no SMU, and now we're back to. SMU. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you almost had UNLV. It was. UNLV oh, that's right. Was, we almost had UNLV. Yep. Yeah. Right. UNLV was, was all but done. They just didn't sign anything yet. And then once they canceled their season, Mountain West canceled, it, it left the Frogs uh, having to find someone else again. But yeah. Well, so it's a battle for the iron skillet. Let's go through some basic questions here. This is going to be three straight games in Fort Worth, correct? Well, they have SMU at home, then Iowa State, and then I believe it's they no, got no, to go no, on I mean the road. SMU, SMU 2019, 2020. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Because everybody's like, oh, what? How does this? How does this shake out? Because part of the Big Twelve TV agreement or TV contract was that their non-conference game was at home this year. Is that correct? Yes, yes. They had to. They had to play a team at home. Okay, and that's so. what that's what was kind of crazy for when they didn't play the first when it was announced they weren't going to play the first time because everyone was kind of like man they can talk to the big 12 and they can do something to i mean smu's literally 30 minutes away from fort worth and so it it made sense if for whatever reason that tcu had to go over there to dallas but for them getting three straight games in a row at home that's it's pretty good is this just message board banter, or is there actually a sense of uh, among the team? I can't believe we lost to freaking SMU last year. I mean, that's that's what I understand sometimes. Is TCU fans, if if any fans should appreciate how SMU's building their program right now, I'm not going to sit here and stand on a soapbox for the Mustangs, but it wasn't all that long time ago that. TCU was in the same position. Remember when everyone was talking and, and and talking down to them about, oh, you're only undefeated because you're playing in the Mountain West. And uh, that's SMU was a great team last year. They had a great quarterback. They had a better quarterback than TCU. They had uh, very good receivers. They had Prochet. They have Reggie Robinson that's returning this year. And, and if you don't remember, who was who was Reggie beating consistently that day? One Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney, the first, the first round pick for TCU. So. Uh, I will say this, SMU SMU had one of their best teams in 35 years, and TCU had one of their worst teams ever under Gary Patterson. It's only the uh, – God, I don't even have the numbers in front of me. It's one of the third, rare – Third uh, losing season – or fourth losing season. We had One year they went 6-6 six and six and lost the bowl game, so they went 6-7. Yeah, six so they, they've only gone – since he's been the coach, they've only missed a bowl game, what, three years – Three, years, three or four yeah. years, yeah. So, 04, 04, 13, and, and 19. 
Right. So basically one of his worst teams ever. And SMU is having to do everything in their power to win that game in, at, at the end. They got out to that big lead, but they're and they're trying to preserve it. And Max really starts throwing the ball well. The offense is moving consistently. SMU can't stop them. And then the defense gives up one big play. And then and that was really the difference. So one of SMU's top teams since the <laughs> since the Dickerson and and uh, Craig James days. And they're holding on for dear life late in the game to beat one of the worst teams in TCU's uh, tenure under under Gary. So, and that's that's not a slot against them, but it is it is one of those things that you have to at least talk about because TCU was was not a good team last year, and SMU obviously was. Um, no matter what, SMU TCU's never never going to give SMU credit for last year. There is is just not going to happen. But uh, I, I know this, and this isn't the Ooh, generic coaches talk, blah, blah, blah. This is this is really something that I had a conversation with back in February uh, before spring camp even started. The TCU 100% will not be overlooking SMU. There was admittedly some overlooking last year. They had, they had uh, uh, Purdue that they were trying to focus on. They wanted to go up there and, and, and beat a Big Ten opponent. And to be honest with you, Shane Bouchelle hadn't had good games against TCU when he was at Texas. Uh, they didn't. They didn't really expect Shane Bouchelle to go out there and play the way he did, just based off how he played against them when he was at Texas. So that was that was something that they they overlooked. They won't overlook those things this year. They they won't overlook the fact that uh, Reggie Robertson can beat you vertically. They won't overlook the fact that Shane Bouchelle can make some good throws. They're, they're going to go after him. They're going to, they're going to send, send some things his way. Uh, Danny Gray is going to be a, obviously a, a, a good receiver. He's going to have uh, a little bit of uh, something to play for, because I think when you, when you look at that recruitment in general, um, he was obviously committed to uh, TCU and then switched to SMU at the last minute. And it, it's funny because if, if he's, taking this game personal, it almost makes me think that TCU was a team that might have told him it, it might be better to go look at SMU if that's if that's where you re- really want to be. Almost like not not just completely dropping them, but just one of those situations where they they felt like maybe they got a, a better receiver with Savion Williams. But it, it will be one of those games where they're not going to overlook it this year. They're they're going to be better better prepared. The defense is going to be pretty good for TCU. Uh, the offense, it, it's going to be a, a game where you, you've got to, you've got to be able to hold SMU to less than 41 points. Obviously if SMU goes out and scores 41 points again, it's not going to look good. It's not going to look good at all. Um, and you look at last year, that was the second highest point total TCU allowed all year. So you've got to, you've got to just be able to run the football effectively, limit the big plays on defense and hopefully squeeze out a win. The, the bad thing is it's not really going to be a, a treacherous home environment for TCU with only 12,000 fans there, but uh, hopefully it's enough noise to get in their head a little bit. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that. We'll, we'll dig into that next week. It's going to be weird college football season with 12,000, 15,000, 22,000 fans. It's going to be an interesting season. What I was looking at on the map that someone posted is is it doesn't look like there's going to be any fans behind the visiting uh, bench, which is kind of surprising to me, to be honest with you. Did you see well, that map at all? I have not seen that map. 
I have not. Um, I need I need to dig that up. Yeah, I forgot what thread it's on, but go in there and look. Someone posted a map that they had received uh, on email, and it looks like all the seating is going to be on the upper deck uh, for the for, at least for the uh, for the east side. It's going to be on the upper deck underneath the uh, the brand spanking new uh, east side edition. And then there's going to be obviously, uh, you know, fans on the west side and, and a little bit into the uh, north end zone. I don't think there's going to be any fans in the south end zone, uh, but it's it, it. You got to take a look at the map to kind of kind of look at it. It is going to look much different. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. It's going to be a great season for the Twitter account, uh, Empty Seats Galore. So, <laughs> is that what, is there really a Twitter account named Empty oh, Seats Galore? Yeah. There's one for empty seats galore, and uh, I think actually not to pick on SMU who beat TCU last year, but there was a picture that was on empty seats galore. I think two years ago, three maybe it was. I think it had to be Chad Morris's last year. It was raining in Dallas, and they were playing at home against Tulsa, and there were three thousand people there, maybe. Maybe at kickoff. I mean, like it was brutal. I guarantee wow. you, Holland Park High School had more people. Um, <laughs> they had more people on the field for the marching band than they had in the stands for that game. I can promise you, Allen's does. Allen probably has I, more people at, in their marching band than than fans at that game. Hey, Allen has more fans at their game than TCU does in the second half against an FCS team. <laughs> so I don't. I'm not going to be. I'm not too proud to say that, man. I Allen, think Stephanie might run that. Uh, now that you say something, I, I think Stefan might run that Twitter handle. <laughs> Stefan's real big into the fan the fan picks. Yes, he is. He, he used is. to catch heck all the time. Take, yep. a, take a picture of it when it's 101 outside and they're playing Kansas and it's 30 minutes before kickoff and there's not very many fans in the stands. Uh, well, on that, we're going to bring this uh, episode to a merciful end. We have covered a lot of content on this show. We've looked at Max, Matt, Matthew Downing, grad transfers, Marcel Brooks, offensive lined up, SMU, and um, plenty of other things here on this episode of the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, we want to encourage you to go to hornfrogblitz.com. We are proud to be part of TCU 24-7 Sports. This is a message board where you can find all of this stuff going on in real time. Most of what we talked about on this show, you could have read earlier this week, even this morning. The only thing I get annoyed with is when Jeremy posts good stories on Sunday mornings. Some of us work on Sunday mornings, Jeremy, and I can't quite get to them in real time. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, or it's a really good way to get scolded by my elders when I'm supposed to be uh, praying during communion and I'm flipping through my phone. Um, but hey, you got to get on 24. You got to get on hornfrogblitz.com. It's a great place, especially as the season's rolling in. There's going to be a lot of things going on this season. We've got COVID. We've got fans. We've got um, games that may get rescheduled. Obviously, we've got some news we're waiting on for health and NCAA. This is the number one forum for your information inside the program at TCU. Also, we'd love for you to go to iTunes and give us a rating, a review, subscribe, and follow us. We uh, we update this show. We're moving towards every week now that the season's here. You don't have to ask us when the next episode is. We'll be coming at you weekly here really quick as the football season is coming at us soon. So until we get back together again, for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.